Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dipping brilliant! That is absolutely stunning from Christian Eriksen! Gabriele to finish Arsenal off! No song, and then it's in! Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of The Last Word on Spurs as we return to reflect back on the 1-1 draw against Burnley at Turf Moor. Delighted to welcome a debutant to the show in James Dickens along with returning guests to The Last Word on Spurs in voiceover, stand-up comedian and drummer Darren Altman and Talia Corrin back on this show. Looking forward to discussing an hour in store of all things Tottenham. And of course, we're reflecting on Jose Munoz's public comments on Tungi and Dembele and how the panel felt that went down. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks, as always, for subscribing. Darren, I'm going to start with you for this show. Spurs' winless run finally comes to an end at Turf Moor as we leave with a point following that 1-1 draw. So much better after the break, but... I think, as I said to you, Darren Offair, as we reflect back on Sunday's results, seeing Man United win, Chelsea win, and you look at Saturday's results, Arsenal winning, Sheffield United winning, does it feel in a way that it hasn't been a great weekend for Tottenham in terms of the Premier League results that's come to us? goes without saying, to be honest. I mean, you know, a, a point away really anywhere is uh, is decent, but uh, in, in other circumstances, you'd be happy, but... 
it really just has is set us back again uh, mathematically and um and with the display i mean it's it's like we're going backwards you know you said you know it's been nine months since the champions league the dizzy heights and we were all you know singing down uh white heart lane and, and ever since then it's just it, it's it's not even two steps forward one step back it's just as far as i'm concerned it's just back and back and back and you you you, you know apart from Kane coming back and Son coming back you know you 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 really struggle to see the positives and I think Saturday you know we struggle to see the positives uh that game in circumstances where you look at Burnley's recent form bringing you in there James I mean again someone look at it and say that's a decent point against Burnley because they expected Burnley maybe to win that game but we were much improved in the second half we saw the Chelsea excellent yet once again sadly you feel until one of Son or Kane return it's going to be difficult. And again, it appears that not recruiting in that area in January has proved extremely costly to the club. What did you make of the performance and result up at Turf Moor on Saturday? I think the first half was it was absolutely ab- abject. Like as, as Darren said, really, I think, I mean, it was just getting worse and worse. When you saw the team that, that Mourinho put out, you, you feared that because it had five central defenders and it was just, and obviously Oliver Skip was in there. And Don Bale was in a two-man midfield, which, if you're if you're feeling uncharitable, is is he's never going to be able to play in a two-man midfield. He didn't play in a two-man midfield in Leon, and it's kind of leaving both of those guys hung out to dry. Um, it was it was awful. The counter arguments for that is there are there are not very many other players to play, but it was dreadful. I mean, the second half was much much better, um, and actually coming away with a point. In normal context, would would be would be okay, but in the context of our season, we we just need to start winning. And and as you say, with the with the results this weekend, we we've dropped two points on a lot of people. Arsenal are a point behind us, and we've obviously got RB Leipzig, but then we've got United, and uh, and their win today is just exacerbated matters. So we're under under a lot of pressure now and it just made the game feel like we've lost, really. The results of the Sunday really having such an impact where you come away now feeling that what looked like to some a decent point up at Burnley now feels incredibly a negative result. I mean, Talia, considering we were on the back of four straight losses, we played 120 minutes on the Wednesday, Burnley's recent excellent form and that horrific first half showing. Do you think that's a good point? Only because I asked that question, they've taken... 14 out of the last 18 points before the game against Spurs. They were banging form. But let's not forget, our 14, we destroyed them 5-0 in December. Where do you sit in terms of if that's a positive point or you come away feeling disappointed by this weekend? I mean, in principle, no. I don't really think it's a good point. You know, on paper, we should be on another league to Burnley, really. You know, you think they're the games that we can you know, even up our goal difference normally and actually score goals. And you'd think, you know, we can actually give them a run and hopefully win. And I get that, you know, it's obviously difficult times and we don't exactly have the luxuries to have a limitless options with who to pick in the squad. But you'd like to think that, you know, we could take the three points. And I think what actually annoyed me a lot was that after the game, I think it was Delhi and Toby, um, they were speaking and they were like, oh, I think we did enough to win, and I was like, "Are you joking me? Like, just playing good for twenty minutes was not enough to win um, the game in full." So I think, you know, in hindsight, yeah, you take a point. They're obviously in a good run. They're a good team. They're hard to break down, but you would expect, you know, Tottenham of last year, Tottenham with a full fit team, to absolutely take the three points. Is that also the frustration, Tally? You mentioned in that final twenty minutes that Spurs at the moment they do appear 
in the last 20 minutes or 25 minutes of a game to look much more stronger than the rest of it is the frustration. Why can't we start like that? Exactly. I think, you know, I think definitely last season as well, it was, you know, we could never, ever kind of play well for longer than a half. We'd always have like a bad first half and then a good second half or vice versa. I think that was usually the way around. But I feel like now we can't even do that. We don't even make a half. We normally play well when we're losing or for like 15, 20 minutes when it's too late. I don't understand how, you know, the momentum comes when it is genuinely too late. And I don't understand why it takes the players so long to actually think we really need to get our heads in this game and actually do something. It's so static and lethargic for such long periods of time that, you know, something obviously comes over them when it is way too late. And it is so frustrating to watch because I think as fans and as people, we just watch it and think, why are you not passing there? Or why why is it this one running? And then they just don't get it. And they just look aimlessly at each other, like with their hands out, like, what are you doing? And we're like, what are you doing? So now it's definitely so frustrating. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Come around to you, Darren. I spoke to you about this off air. You know, it is incredibly sad that in the space of nine months, Spurs have gone from a Champions League finalist, which to be fair, that in itself, domestically, we know there was a lot of cracks being papered over there, but we're now having to be satisfied with a point away to Burnley. Not that we want to be satisfied, but that's kind of where we're at. Is that, again, indicative because of the lack of, investment in this team generally we know money was spent in the summer on Tungi and Dembele in Giovanni Lachosa but we know that generally the team is in the middle of a rebuild it needs players to be moved out as well as bringing players in that that kind of mentality now is kind of filtering through to the players like Talia says there the acceptance from Alderweireld and Ali that you know that last 20 minutes is, is good enough for Spurs as a whole do you worry that that mentality is sinking through we need to quickly eradicate that and remind ourselves of where Tottenham should be I think Talia said it, you know, first of all, just pick up on her point. It was absolutely right. You know, you can't play the 20 minutes, you know, at the end of the Burnley game and the 10 minutes at the end of the Norwich game before it went to penalties and say, oh, you know, when Jose says, oh, we deserve to win that. Well, you know, what about the other 80, you know, 60 minutes previous to that? So that, that I think she's absolutely right that you can't just turn it on for the last bit and then think, oh, well, we were good enough to win. No, we weren't. But in answer to your question, you know, what, What's upsetting is that, you know, you reach the dizzy heights of a Champion League's final and, you know, and then you think, well, you know, everyone would want to come to Tottenham, you know, the best stadium in the world, you know, Champions League final, let, let's bring it on. Come on, let's sign some fantastic players. That doesn't happen. And then, you know, Poch leaves, we go backwards, you know, we have the special one who, who's really not that fucking special as far as we're concerned now. And, and, the, and, and the upsetting thing is, is that tactically and i know you wanted sort of to discuss we're just all over the shop i mean when there's a consistency in a team the manager generally you know bar injuries will stick with that team and sort of have faith everyone knows their role everyone knows their place you know you look at liverpool and uh leicester to a certain extent you know they don't change but with us i mean you know i've got i've got the teams in front of norwich and burnley i mean he made he made seven changes for burnley uh you know, from the Norwich game, um, Jose, and I know he wanted to freshen things up and people like Skip were absolutely knackered, but, you know, seven changes and, you know, and, and also tactical changes as well and positions. You know, if you look at, um, Toby, you know, playing, is, is he, uh, is he a left back? Is he, is he, he doesn't know whether to stick or twist. Does he rub bomb forward? He's not Danny Rose. Um, you know, is, is Eric Dyer a central, is a defensive midfielder? Is is he a defender now? I mean, it's just, 
it's all gone to a pot. <laughs> it's low, isn't it? We're feeling low. I mean, James, come and save us here. Because, I mean, again, you know, you look at it and say the damage was done pre-Jose Mourinho being compounded by the injuries. And now confidence does seem absolutely shot through this squad. And even if we say Jose can spend the money in the summer, that's if there is, you know, money to spend. It does seem there is significant damage being done because we sat on our hands, James, at a time where there, we was in a position of strength. It seems absolutely criminal and a bit of a waste, doesn't it? Is that how you would reflect on that period, James, where we didn't spend the money? Yeah, I think it was a bit of a waste. I do understand that, you know, they've got to pay for the stadium and all this kind of thing. And then we did, we were, I think, the third top spending team in the in the summer. Um, I, I just think that, that, that there's just a lot of excuses being made uh, everywhere. Like Mourinho is talking about tiredness. He's talking about injuries. You know, I, I would say that although there is tiredness, there is injuries, there have been points where we've had no games for a week. We had no games for 10 days in the winter break and the performances have been awful anyway. Like if you if you have injuries, if you have Sun and Kane out, you, you, what you don't do is then carry on lumping up the ball to a five-for-eight Lucas Moura. Bit, change the way the team plays. Get the ball on the floor. Do, look at. I mean, I'm not suggesting that any of these players are up to Liverpool standard, but they have. They don't really have a proper centre forward. Firmino drops. Mane, uh, Salah. They all move around. Like, I don't. I don't suggest that we're going to be anywhere near as good as that. But try something else. You're the manager, and you're and. And Darren was completely right about the... I know I'm supposed to be cheering you up. This isn't really working, is it? But if <laughs> Please you, carry on, James. We're trying but, to take but, some but, comfort from it. Yeah. Go on, carry on. <laughs> but no, but the the, 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 t- the team is being picked. It's different every week. So, But you have like that half... I, I, I thought it was probably more than 20 minutes. It was probably half an hour, 40 minutes. It was good in the second half. But the team, the team will change again. And I know they have to rest players and whatever. But you, like playing that back three with Alderweireld on the left... Sanchez was shocking. Tanganga is actually a centre half, and he hasn't been playing there at all. They, you know, we needed a goal, and they brought an Aurier to play right wing. I, it, the whole thing's just really confusing. Skip wasn't being played at all. Now he's played two games in a row. It's like you either like him or you don't. Parrot came on. Now he's not even on the bench. There just seems to be no kind of continuity of thought. And I really do, I do understand that having these players out injured is difficult, but I also think that there's a lot of excuses being made. Uh, Mourinho said, uh, we can't expect anything else. I can't wait for the end of the season. So well, what, do, what are the players supposed to think after that? They're going to just say, oh, well, whatever we do, the manager's going to be fine with it. We'll, it'll make excuses and we'll carry on. Like, no, come say, we expect better than this. We want to play better football. We're trying. The season's still there. Fourth place is still up for grabs. But there's none of that. It's just I want the season to end. It's just and so dispiriting. Mm. I think that is pretty much the word of how we feel at the moment. Definitely the word dispiriting. Um, Talia, now, some, again, will argue that this is nothing to do with Jose tactics being outdated to some degree. This is what some will feel is a brand new philosophy for any that would want to try and look into this because it's the fact that these players can't all pull it off. Dele Alli having multiple ample opportunities. Lamella and Tangi. Is it now a case that we have to let Bruno build his side and he's now seeing what needs to be done? Or are you not taking any confidence that he can look in the summer to try and improve it? Where, where are you in terms of Jose Mourinho right now? You know, there's a lot of talk of everyone calling him a dinosaur and not knowing what he's doing. And I think... I'm like 50-50 split in that 
I completely understand that he's come into a club that is mishmash, also mid-season, where everything's a bit all over the place. And obviously, we're completely injury-ridden and all over the place. So I respect that he obviously can't come in and do a job to that degree. But at the same time, I just, I don't really know what he's doing. You know, toward the end when everyone was kind of questioning Poch and everyone was like, why is he making these weird subs and all of this? I feel like everyone's kind of now doing the exact same to Mourinho, but instead of about who is putting in the starting eleven, Like, going back to tactics side, like, I feel like he just actually picked 11 of the most fit players and had to try to find a structure to make it work, which obviously doesn't work because... Our players don't play like that. They're not players that find the space and move and run. We lack creativity in every way. And we've known that for such a long time. And that was, you know, such a big reason to why Ericsson going missing was an issue. Because we have no creativity in this squad. No one does anything. And I think that's why a lot of people do feel frustrated with Mourinho. Because it's like, surely you're better off to pick some youth players in a system that they know pull together you know, 11 senior players into a formation with massive holes in it. Like, you know, ultimately he kind of does know what he's doing. But you just think that he'd be able to see that this formation isn't working. As always, we want to try and give the listeners a chance to bring in their questions. And, Joe, Darren, I've got one for you here. This is from Austin Cavalier, who says, any team with as many injuries as to their top talents would struggle. Liverpool without Salah and Mane would obviously struggle. It comes and goes. I do believe with a fully fit squad, we're in the top two or three of the league. Do we think the negativity is overtaking our thinking and now turning us all apocalyptic? Haha, <laughs> that's a very good word, Austin. Um, do you know what I think? I think that when he came, um, Jose, he thought he would have. You know, if you look on paper, uh, you know, you look at um, obviously Kane. And Son scoring for fun, you know, Christian Eriksen. Um, you, you know, you look at the, the spine of the team, obviously, Lucas, what he did at the Champions League final. And, you know, you take away Christian Eriksen, Son, and Kane. Now, that magical triangle, obviously, still got Delhi. Um, you take away the sort of magic. Suzoko, obviously, was uh, playing out of his skin. And suddenly, you're, you're left with bare bones and nothing up front. So, um, apocalyptic, I don't know about apocalyptic, but I think that very, very quickly the wheels have come off. So what Jose thought he was taking over is suddenly nothing like what he's what he thought he was taking over. He's got the bare bones of a team now. And, um, and I think that's showing, you know. So uh, I was thinking about this before, before I came on today. You know, there's, you, you could argue that, um, you know, he's, he's got two main strikers um, out. So, you know, what does he do? His hands are tied. You know, he can only sort of, um, you know, mix and match and try and uh, plaster over the cracks. But then you think, well, you've got a young striker. Why don't you play him? You know, Parrot doesn't even get a look in. And, and Jose is saying things like, you know, he's a lovely kid. He comes from a great family. But I don't think he's got faith in him. He doesn't want to play him. He doesn't think he's ready yet. So, okay, so he doesn't want to play Troy Parrott. So, so then what do you do? You know, and, and then you look like we were saying, you know, tactically at one game to the next, we're just scratching our heads, just thinking, well, this is mix and match. It's like pick and mix, you know. Um, so in answer to your question, um, is apocalyptic too, too much of a, an exaggeration? I don't know if it's apocalyptic, but I certainly think 
whether you can blame it on the injury list and what we've got now for him to pick and choose from and a combination of his tactics. I think we're up a certain creek with a certain rowing implement. <laughs> I think that the summary of all this really is is that no one's happy with what how it's going now. Probably not even Mourinho, to be honest. Um, and what we what we need to... Like, I mean, maybe you could be doing better, maybe you couldn't. What you need to think, really, is do you actually believe that he is the person to carry this on next season? And I'm sure he will be there. But do you believe that he's the person to make this better? Do you and also, do you believe... Do you believe it? No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't. And we'll, we'll, get, in, we'll get into... I mean, a lot of this is... Um, airy fairy kind of ethos and what you believe football to be about and basically as when I was growing up with Spurs all we had was what we we believed football to be about it's the beautiful game it's about doing things in style it's about being classy and I I don't really I never liked Jose Mourinho so I am and I'm well aware that I'm looking for confirmation bias here but I don't like the way he treats people, and we'll get on to Ndombele later. I don't yeah. like the football he plays. I'm not interested in the football he plays. I don't feel he's been relevant since the back end of his Real Madrid stint. I think the Man United thing wasn't great. Football was awful. The way he treated people was awful. The Eva Canero thing was absolutely appalling. And I don't, I don't want him managing my club. And I've seen nothing. And, he's, and, and I don't think that Pochettino would have done any better at the moment. But I don't think he's the person to take us to the to back to where we were or even forward. And I, don't, I honestly, for a, an ambitious new club with a new stadium, brilliant stadium, brilliant training ground, all these players, and and actually, I, I believe that the recruitment has been mainly good uh, recently. I don't think he's the right even the right profile of manager, in my opinion. But hopefully, I'm proved wrong. But I don't think he is. No. Let's do a quick double check on this across the panel very quickly. Just a yes or no, we've got a lot to get through. Talia, for you, will he be the right man for you in time? Yes or no? Long term, no. He was brought in to be a winner because that was the one, I guess, thing off the list that we were missing. Mm. But he's not winning with this team, so no. Darren, quick answer on this for you. Yes or no? Is he the right profile at the moment or long term? Long-term, well, Jose Mourinho, what am I talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, profile, yes, he's a big profile. Is he the right fit for us? I don't think so. Mm. I mean, let's do another quick question here from our listeners. This is from Martin at Noosa Martin. And he says, do the players believe in what they're being asked to do on the pitch? James, what do you think? Do they believe in Mourinho's methods at the moment? They don't. I mean, I, I tweeted out at half-time that they look absolutely shot of confidence. They were all walking with a slump. They're, they, 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 neither, none of them wanted the ball. There's no movement. They're all being some. Well, a lot of them are being played in difficult positions. I mean, there's some that obviously do believe in him. The likes of Tanganga would obviously run through a brick wall for him because you know he's, bought, he's given him his chance. And actually, he clearly should have been given a chance before, and that's to Mourinho's credit. But um, I mean, Deli Ali looks—he's got face like thunder the whole time. Um, I, I don't know. I. I'm not sure the players, whether they believe or not, it's impossible to tell. But they're certainly not. Obviously, there's the likes of Ndombele who clearly don't. The likes of Lo clearly do. Or maybe he'd play like that all the time. It's difficult to tell, to be honest. But they're certainly not playing very well, unless that's how they're being told to play. All they're being told to do is hit and hope. That is the yeah. current tactic, hit and hope. 
But is that based that's on what he's got talent at the moment? Is that just based on the players? I mean, listen, we, we all want more than that, don't we? There has to be more than that given time. We have to. But just to reflect on the team, Lewis Taylor, before I bring you back in, we saw Loris and Alderweireld return after missing the last two. Skip kept his place. In the team, Undon Benin Lamella made rare starts after fitness troubles. It was a back three for Spurs with Tanganga and Vertonghen, which effectively meant there was five centre-backs starting the game. The Chelsea Mora, Winks and Aurea all on the bench. And we reflect on that first goal because Hugo Lloris could only push Jay Rodriguez's volley into the path of Chris Wood, who prodded home with a few yards out. I mean, Talia... You couldn't quite believe it that only Spurs, or you could say only Jose Mourinho Spurs, would line up with five centre-backs to start the game and would concede after 12 minutes. Were you surprised? Should we be surprised? I don't think anyone was surprised. And that is, you know, the problem. And it completely shows the downfall and how negative everyone is. Because I was sitting watching that and we just laughed. (laughs) Because, I mean, I think, I don't have a clue what the stat was, but didn't they have like 10 shots and like five on target or something? And we had like one. Yep. In the space, I think, the first half hour, 35 minutes. Yep. Exactly. And I think that, you know, it was just awful. That first half was diabolical. It was terrible from Lloris, from Toby, from Dyer, from all of them for that goal. It was such a shambles. But the word is we were just not surprised. And I think that, you know, it's such a bad place to be. But, you know, five centre-backs against Burnley. I mean, when was that ever going to work? Like, I get that, you know, we need to defend because they're hard to break down and things like that. But... With hitting hope and no one running around and no one being creative, especially as Lacelso being on the bench, what did he honestly think that we were going to be able to do to score? Like, I don't understand any way, shape, or form how he put that 11 together and thought this will work. My wife said to me, you know, I think she came in halfway through the first half and said, How are we doing? And I said, We're not going to score in this game. Exactly. And apart from, uh, you know, a lucky penalty. Which we got. Uh, well, well, well taken penalty. Don't get was, me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Was, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful penalty. But I said to Emma, so we're not going to score in this game from open play. No way. And like Talia said, it's, you know, it's, and players that don't, don't know what they're doing. I mean, you know, Eric Dyer back in the middle of the defence, like he looked like a lost sheep, bless him. You know, he's had a... Dyer has definitely improved. He made that great tackle. We made that great oh, tackle in the yeah, second yeah, half. Yeah. The tackle was, was fantastic. It was mm. like, you know, last dish that was yeah i mean positionally it's just you know like i said him and i said to i said i said they'd be bypassing our midfield i said and dombele and skip have barely touched the ball mm. you know it was it was just bizarre and i think that as we've discussed before you know if you make so many changes seven changes in that team from the norwich game and people playing in places that you know they're not normally used to playing it you can't have continuity it's impossible to tell you point if you're playing those long balls to very small forwards i mean the obvious thing is, and you've got the likes of ndombele and skip in midfield pass the ball play them the ball get the ball to their feet it, i mean it's not that complicated you've got ball playing midfielders who don't who don't reach particularly ndombele just can't get up and down give the ball to his feet let him take it and pass it through to the smaller forward you don't need to keep lumping it it just all it it just takes out your main threats. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah, no, it is. And to be fair, I mean, just on the back of that first goal, James, I mean, again, Hugo Lloris, who saved us right at the end of a great save for that opener. There'll be many critical of him. Andy Gray criticised Hugo and said it's a straight out an international goalkeeper. It should be dealing with it. If you're not, you should not be dropping it out like that in front of you. Do you think with, with Hugo generally, 
Are you worried about his form? Is he a player that in the summer, listen, we've got enough issues to contend with player-wise. Maybe that's one maybe for down the line, but would you be looking for Hugo's long-term replacement? Yes, most certainly. I mean, the, I mean, he's obviously very good and you can see the difference between him and Gazaniga, in my opinion. However, he is, he, I mean, he's made these mistakes ever like the whole time he's been with us. He did it in the World Cup final for France. They're just in him. They're never going to go. And it's, you just, I think we need to start looking at who that next goalkeeper is for the next for 10 years. But yeah, there's not, I mean, there, there are such massive problems in the rest of the squad that you'd probably leave that for another year, I think. Mm. That's, isn't it, a damn indictment at the moment. We've got so many situations where we need to resolve first that with regards to Hugo Lloris, it's one of those where, of course, we need to sort it, but there's so many more pressing issues long-term that, it's really difficult. Minty Bloke says, are you surprised that even with five centre-backs on the pitch, we couldn't keep a clean sheet for more than 12 minutes? I think as we answered, none of us were really surprised. Habib Hayat says, Jose's plan was to not to concede in the first half and attack in the second. We played a back line of all of our centre-backs, all five of them, and we conceded them in 15 minutes. How can I turn this into a positive? Well, Habib, I think we're all struggling, to be honest with you, at the moment in terms of finding positives at the at this present moment in time. But... Deli Ali, to be fair to him, you know, he did bring Tottenham level. And I wanted to kind of do it in this order because we are going to save the Undumbele chat, which I think is going to be a big one for our second half of the show. But on Deli Ali bringing us level, to be fair, that was due to the formation change at half time and the introduction of Giovanni Luchoso because he could not have worked faster or harder in that second half. He slipped a lovely ball into Melamela, who was caught by me trailing leg. And to be honest, Darren, you said it, that was the only way you felt Spurs were going to score. And we did. Yeah, and Lichelso, what a breath of fresh air he is. I mean, you know, great vision, you know, runs, you know, he's got such an engine on him and, you know, plays with passion. You know, when you came in, you just thought, oh, thank Christ for that, you know. And he, and he absolutely put a rocket up up their asses. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think he was he, he, in the last few games and since his... Since he started, really, he's, he's, he's been uh, he's been the one that uh, you actually think he, he's he's motivated and he's 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 the one that's the actual threat at the moment. I mean, even you know Lucas, who, who, I, who I really do like, he's to be industrious. Don't get me wrong, but just running down a blind alley all the time. I mean, maybe it's just that old thing of, of Kane and Son, and we we just got nothing to aim for up top. You know, maybe we are um, handcuffed until they get back. That is the difficulty, isn't it, at the moment? You feel like he's having to play these players where he's, he's got no real other opportunities open to him. Yes, there's the argument that it should be more structure. The players should know more what we're doing. We should be able to get more out of this squad, despite Kane, despite Son being out. And, of course, also despite Sissoko being out, another key player. But, I mean, just on Deli Ali, James, you know, he's taken a lot of stick. You go to social media, and with Ali, it's always split. But you feel at the moment there's a lot of negativity towards him. That was his 50th Premier League goal for Spurs. And, to be fair, he's the youngest English midfielder to reach 50 goals. You know, he joins that kind of, you know, elaborate crew of Frank Lampard, David Beckham, Paul Scholes, Steven Gerrard. Where are you with Deli Ali for you? Do you feel we can still offer more at Spurs? Does he have a long-term future at the club? Oh yeah, I think he has a long-term future at the club. It's just a question of where you play him in the team, because he's a, he's a very not a very funny player. He, he won't won't really he won't beat a player. He's not got an amazing passing range. He's not got a great engine, but he does know where to be and where to put a ball in the net. But he's not a striker, so it's it's a bit of a funny one. And I'm not quite sure, like potentially, if you're playing him in a if you're playing a four-three-three, 
which is the only formation that Ndombele, for example, can play in. And it works quite well if you've got Bergwijn and Sonny side of Kane, for example. Where do you fit Deli Alli? I don't think he can really play in a midfield three. He looks a bit... It doesn't really fit in wide. He really needs to play as a number 10. But our most creative player is Lacelso, and he would probably play there, or you'd play him deeper and play him Dombele, maybe, if he if he gets fit. Or I don't know. It's very, it's very difficult. I, you need to keep him, but it, he needs a very specific set of circumstances to be uh, very effective. However... I thought he was pretty good yesterday, considering he's absolutely, you can never doubt his effort and he's doing his best up front. He's been put up there as a, as a striker because he's tall, essentially. Um, and he's really doing his best to try and hold the ball up and bring people into play. And it's not his natural game, despite his height, his height is actually just he's ghosting into the box beyond a, a proper striker and, and finding space that way. And given that there isn't one, it's very difficult for him. I think that's also very key, James, that you mentioned there to bring up the fact that Ali is playing completely out of what his normal position would be. We know that he loves to play just behind Harry Kane and he's filling in a role at the moment that he's clearly not comfortable with doing, but he is still doing it for the team. He is still working very hard. I mean, to sum up his game, there's a few neat flicks and that didn't always come off, but, you know, he leveled things up shortly after the break with that confident penalty. He sent Nick Pope the wrong way. He did cause Burnley a number of problems in that second half. And Talia, again, just to kind of bring up that stat with Ali, you know, he got to 50 Premier League goals in 128 games. That's faster than Gerrard. That's faster than Frank Lampard. Faster than Paul Scholes. Two games faster than he's in Hazard. Do we sometimes forget just how far Ali has come in a Spurs shirt? And sometimes, I'm saying sometimes, that we have to, you know, realise that he's still, you know, a young man, a lot to go with Deli Ali, And he's, as I said, planning a position right now that for him, it's not his position. I mean, yes, I, I think so. I think you don't agree with me, do you? I could tell. No, I do. No, I'm just I'm trying to think about what I'm going to say to try like be nicer. But I think the problem with Delhi is that because he had such a great few seasons, whatever they were, that you know, two three seasons in a row where he was literally scoring for fun, and he was so so good that last season and this season he has just dropped off. And I know there was a whole joke about Delhi's brother and all of that kind of stuff. But I think his problem is that he does just become a pedestrian a lot of the time. And I think people get so frustrated, especially in situations like we're in now, where we do look for that talisman and someone to you know, be in the right place at the right time when he's not or when he misses. And everyone's like, for God's sake, Delhi, what are you doing? Like people do kind of forget that he is at our position and it's not what he's used to. But I still think they kind of expect him to be able to do the job. And you obviously can't kind of have it both ways. You know, you can't expect him to go above and beyond if it is, you know, completely out of his reach. But at the same time, you expect him to give everything. And I do think, you know, you can't really fault him. I think he is definitely one of the players that does look like he gives everything that he can most games, which is obviously all you can ask for. I think it's just a bit frustrating that because, like I said, he is kind of the only upfront player on paper other than Lucas at the moment that kind of can put things in the net when he doesn't and he is so close to scoring on so many different opportunities and they just doesn't come off that people just get so aggy but of course look you know 50 goals is amazing and I think you know he's he is young and he's the first one to say you know I don't just want to do better than this I want to improve in myself and I want to do more so no absolutely I think you know he's got a long way to come and I hope that he does continue to improve mm. I, I listen I totally agree with you I think with Ali the, all joking aside I think that's the most frustrating thing where, because he had those 
and like you mentioned there, the, the two, three really good, consistent seasons, because we have seen a drop off naturally, we're almost like, where, where has this come from? But it's, it's just expectations, that's mm, it. I think as soon as you expect someone to perform and they don't, yeah. you just think, what's wrong with them? And, it, you know, you can't expect someone to be at that level every game, every season. Mm. But it's just... It's, it's like you yeah. said, because we've seen it, we've, because we've seen that such good potential, we want to have that on a more consistent basis. And we can only hope it's going to come under Jose Mourinho in the next season or two. But I think what will be key for him is that when he does get to play back in his normal position, that hopefully we do see a return to form. Because otherwise, if not, it is going to lead to more questions. But we are going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, we haven't even got started yet. So much to talk about. Dominant Eric Dyer, who played really well in that second half. Giovanni LaCelso's impact, who ran the game for Tottenham when he came on. And also, Jose Mourinho piling in on Tungi Undumbele. Where do you sit on the matter? Well, you're going to hear the guys' thoughts here. Lots to talk about, lots to discuss. Do not go anywhere. We are back after this very, very short break. Hello and welcome back to the last word on Spurs here. A lot to cover in this second half. And we're going to start this second half of the show talking about Eric Dyer. James, we've seen the last couple of games that Dyer has reverted to what he believes is going to be his best position for the football club, and that's as a centre-back. And to be fair, he did make an absolutely huge tackle for Tottenham to deny Vidra, doing pretty much exactly what Raul Jimenez did to us the week before. For weeks, months on end, people have been throwing Dyer under the bus, pelters at him. Has it been quite a turnaround in the past week, given all what happened, as we know, after that Norwich game in the Cup? What have you made of it in terms of his turnaround so far? Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a massive fan of, of Eric Dyer from from before under Pochettino. I think he was brilliant. Um, I do think this whole thing about which position is his best position is I don't know. It's a bit of a false narrative, really. I don't know why he needs to like he said he just wants to play central defence, um, which is a bit annoying given that we really lack a defensive midfielder. And in the in the second 45 minutes against Burnley, he was exactly that defensive midfielder we needed. He was he was like the Eric Dyer of old. He was, he was quick feet for him. He was getting moving the ball on quickly. He's cutting off things. And he made that tackle on Vidra from his position in midfield. So he went in between the central defenders, trapped the runner and made the tackle. And I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, and if if that Eric Dyer can carry on playing there, then he's much more used to us in midfield than in in defence. Um, we've got quite a few defenders, so and quite a few, no offence to Eric Dyer, slow defenders. If he can play like that in midfield, then great. But he's been playing pretty well at the back as well. I don't I don't doubt that. But I think he can he, if he plays well, he's of much more value in midfield, um, giving us a, a bit of stability there. And in fact, I think I'd rather ha- if if you're going to play either a back three. Or a back, or, yeah, or a back four with two central defenders. I'd rather he played in midfield than we played three central defenders, to be honest, because he he does the job anyway. He sits there and he splits the centre halves, and he does a great job. Um, and if he's back on his previous form, then he's he solves a massive problem for us for the rest of the season. Mm. I mean, Talia, with regards to Eric Dyer, he's a player that for some, you know, he does split opinion, but he had a real battle on his hands with both Chris Wood and Jay Rodriguez to deal with. However. After the break, he moved into midfield as Mourinho, as we know, changed things about. But he came to Spurs' rescue, as we said, midway through that second half with that brilliant block on Vidra, who cut inside, ready to shoot. It was his third successive start under Mourinho. Are you slowly seeing improvement from Dyer that you want to see? Yes, I actually am. 
I have been very quick to slag off Daya. I know on here I have many times before. And I do think that, you know, he's definitely, definitely improved. And I think apart from the dodgy first 15 minutes where everyone was diabolical and he was somewhat responsible for um, conceding that goal, I think he did have an all-round solid game. And I think slowly but surely, he's definitely kind of returning to the dire that we all used to like and think, oh, yes, I'm actually glad that he is part of the starting eleven. And I think, you know, he has been playing more and you can tell that he is getting fitter and he, he kind of looks a bit more light-footed, <laughs> which has obviously really helped in this situation. So I think, you know, if he continues to kind of play like that, then people will definitely be more on board with him playing. Darren, I know you were just mentioned about Dyer before the break, saying that, you know, he's been chopped and changed in different positions and at times he's looked, you know, a bit lost. Do you feel now the last three games that he started... Are we slowly starting to see the Eric Dyer that we knew under Pochettino when he was, you know, I don't want to say in his prime, but, you know, when he was in form, slowly coming back? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, You're still I mean, convincing, yeah? I, I, do you know what? I'm sorry to, to, to piss on your chips, everyone, but I, I, I sort of need convincing. I mean, I, I, if he's doing a job in, as a defensive midfielder, then I get it. But it's just... And I know, you know, he's got to be, he's got to be careful in what, what we, you know, he can't just lump the ball. But it's, it, it's just sideways and backwards with him. I don't know, where, where, is, is that his remit? Maybe educate me. Is that his remit? Is that his, you know, what he's been told to do? You know, sideways, backwards, just err on the side of caution. But it's just, he frustrates me really because he's a big old lump. But I don't see any sort of forward-thinking mentality. You know, at least with someone like. Um, you know, Harry Winks in, fr- in front of him, you know, you, you, you that desire to, to create. But I mean, am, am I am I just, am I... Am I... Is that Dyer's what? game though, do you think? Does Mourinho just want him to be? This sounds, you know, again, very, you know, stereotypical when I put him in this category. Again, another like Nemanja Matic. Are you with me? That kind of player that is literally there just to defend, just to protect, doesn't want much from going forward. So literally be that wall, if you like. As much as, listen, it's not the most inspiring role. Dyer seems happy to want to play it. Well, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm I'm happy to bow to your uh, <laughs> to your to your to your knowledge on this one. But it, it, you know, and that's the reason I sort of sit, sit on the fence with him because it just it, it may, maybe he's doing a, a a job and doing playing a role that I I just don't don't give him enough credit for. Let, let's let's be devil's advocate in that case because. Uh, um, it, it just frustrates me this sort of sideways, backwards thing. I, I mean, I suppose if he's not giving the ball away and he's doing his job, then you know, job done. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know with Dyer. Winks is very negative a lot of the time as well, though. He is also very sideways, backwards. I, he does sometimes drive forward, but I do think that Winks is very negative, and a lot of people have turned off. You know, been turned off him because of the same reasons. I do think that we can get someone better than Dyer because I've been I've been very strongly worried about Dyer for a long time. I was just being complimentary because I thought he had a decent game. <laughs> right, but no, we we can definitely get someone better being, than Dyer. You're a bit bad, James, aren't you? For you, for you, you've, you I'm definitely not, see an improvement. Yeah, yeah, I do see an improvement. I also, I mean, it's you know any port in the storm at the moment. We need a defensive midfielder, and I think, I mean, if you. If you can, if you look at the, one of the problems with our midfield, it's that they all tend to be running around in um, ever concentric circles and not actually doing anything. And if you if you want a situation where the Chelsea can 
influence the game and Dombele can influence the game if he's playing or Winks can or whoever's playing in that midfield role Sissoko if he ever gets fit I think you need someone there to give security to that you need and and we'll we'll get on to Ndombele later but you need him to be able to go forward and not track back or not track back very fast because he's not going to do it and he never has done it so if you've got Eric Dyer just sitting there mopping up in the front of the back four and passing it to Le Celso, who's passing it to Ndombele, or passing it wide to Bergwijn, Sun, Kane, whoever's playing there. I think that's a valuable role for the rest of the season. Yeah, we really need a better defensive midfielder than him. But I think on Sunday's form, he's the best we've got, and he's a he's a valuable asset to have while we need someone in that role. Valuable assets, James, you mentioned there in terms of... Um... Giovanni Celso, you know, this guy is proving to be a very valuable asset at the Tottenham. He was immense since he came on. We saw Jose Mourinho make that double substitution at the at the break. Oliver Skip, Tungy Ndombele going off. Giovanni Celso, Lucas Moura coming on. And to be fair, that system changing, bringing those two players on, it did change the game. And Celso, as I mentioned, you know, he ran it, driving at Burnley with the ball, making things happen. You know, the more and more we're seeing of this guy, are you falling more and more in love with him, James? Yeah, I am. He's an absolutely wonderful player, and you know, he he, he that drive is everything that that uh, that Christian Eriksen didn't have. They've got the same ability, but just Eriksen never had that drive. And I was I'm a massive fan of Eriksen, but I think that drive that he has. I mean, and and you know, he's got a bit of pace about him. He was breaking down the left hand side during that game. I didn't know he had that pace, but it was brilliant. And he seems to have learned a lot in Betis, and, and I watched him quite a bit when he was playing intermittently for PSG in a in a two man or three man midfield. And he looked really out of sorts and didn't know how to play in that role, having played as a ten before. But I think he's like he, just every game he's brilliant. I've not seen him have a bad game since he came to the team. He's just absolutely fantastic. And like he, I'm not criticising Mourinho for this one. He needed a rest because we need him. Like you, you can bring him on for. 15 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, and he just changes the whole balance of the game. His, his range of passing, his pace, his incisiveness, his punchy forward passes fizzing into those strikers that actually get them on the half turn and getting them towards the goal. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. And to get him for, I think we ended up getting him for 28 million, 27 million. It's an absolute steal. Talia, he made an immediate impact on proceedings. He played in the men of a brilliant through ball that saw me foul the Argentinian, pulled the strings in the midfield of the park, and he was outstanding. He looked to guide Spurs to a winner, and he very nearly did give us the winner. I mean, how impressed have you been, really, since he's had that regular run of games under Jose Mourinho? So, so good. I honestly think I'm a bit in love. He's honestly the one shining light from such a shit season. And I think I'm so glad that, like, everyone, you know, he's kind of found himself and become a character. And I think everyone is just like, yes, everyone loves Lo Celso, which is amazing. Um, I also think, do you know what's underrated about him? He's a proper character on the pitch. Like, he was screaming, not this game, but like the game before, he was screaming at Aurier. Like, he's proper vocal. And I think that's also so important because we're definitely missing that kind of character. So, he's not only got the skill, he looks like he's got the passion, but he's also got the voice. And I think, you know, he's also pretty young. So, he's definitely a bright, bright future ahead. And I'm so glad that Mourinho's also kind of realised that this is what we need because I know at the beginning everyone was a bit worried that you know he's Argentinian he was Poch kind of player and Mourinho wasn't starting him and we thought you know there's no way he's going to sign Perm and the loan would be over but now it's like 
you can't even see how that was kind of ever in his thought process because he's so utterly impressed, which is great. So no, absolutely. He is an absolute star and I'm so grateful and you know, that we have him. I'm so glad, Telly, you brought that up in terms of that mentality he's got, because I think that's one thing Mourinho has really liked about him. The fact that he has shown that since he's come to the club. And it's even the point where, I don't know if you saw it, Darren, that was the exact kind of tactical foul he made, Luchelso, in the second half where Burnley were on a break that Spurs haven't done enough this season. And you just feel that, again, is Mourinho's you know, mentality already sinking in on Giovanni Luchelso. It's not affecting his attacking for it, which is a good thing at the moment. Hopefully it won't. Hopefully it will give him the freedom to carry on playing the way he does because of that phenomenal run in the second half where he, he took about four or five players and then laid it off to a Spurs player. But, I mean, have you been impressed as well, Darren, by just how quickly he's taken to the Premier League? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, uh, I, 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 I disagree with James slightly. I thought that... He, I don't think he had... Uh, he, I thought it took him a little while to, set in, to settle into the... The Premiership. I thought his first few games where he wasn't quite on pace, but now um, he's like he's got a rocket up his ass. And um, looking at the bigger picture, I think that 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 when teams line up against Spurs, they're thinking, "Oh, we we can get a you know we can do a job here because they're they're all over the shop." And I think out of all the dross and the, and the doom and gloom that we've been discussing um, on the on the show, I just think that that you're right. Lacelso is is the shining beacon, and that tenacity that willingness to get forward just to think well fucking come on then uh, have some of this and I, ju- I just think that <laughs> you know it's uh it, it's the rocket that we need at the moment and um whereas everyone else is sort of running around you know you know or a bit static and not knowing what what's going on you know when you've got someone like him who's actually sort of leading by example um, I think it's it's fantastic, and long may it continue. And hopefully, you know, when other players uh, get back from injury, you know, uh, Suzuko and uh, Kane and Son, as we've we've discussed, you know, he will remain a constant, and his role will will develop, and he and he will have the freedom to play, you know, like Ericsson in in uh, in his own little space, and to and to dictate the uh, dictate things. Yeah, I think like I say with Chelsea, so hopefully a player that we've got a very big and bright future for. We've not been able to say that enough this season about some of these Spurs players. So definitely one that we are holding our hopes on. Now, another player that I felt did make a, a big impact was Eric Lamella. Showed more fight than almost anyone. Won that penalty, but again, with Lamella, typical, was guilty of wasting several good chances. Spurs' final change was actually Aurea for Lamella, who went off. But, you know, starting his first game following that recent injury, almost had a sight on going the first few seconds of the ball that just went through his legs. But he won the penalty for Spurs just after that second half, drew the foul from Ben Mee. But as we said again, plenty of fight and good to see him get minutes in the tank after his recent injury problems. But the thing we always say about Lamella is, if only he could stay fit. If only he could stay fit. And if only about... he had a right foot. <laughs> if only he had a right foot. Talking about right foots, talking about fitness... Brings me on to probably the highlight or the main debate of the show, which I know we've been itching to get into. It is now time. It's time to talk Tungi. It's time to talk about Jose Mourinho's man management. Before we do it, just want to obviously put it out there that the Frenchman was given a rare start, but it was more in a deeper role in midfield alongside Skip. He just couldn't have an impact on proceedings going forward and was hooked at the break. Before we discuss Jose Mourinho's comments, we want to let you hear them. So here is Jose Mourinho's comments after the post-match press conference against Burnley and this is where Mourinho spoke in depth about Undembele and what he can give to the team now we know there's obviously a Sky interview as well 
but we preferred to play this one to you. And this is what he said. You made two changes and changed the tactics at half time. What was your, your thinking to, to do that? My thinking was in the first half, we didn't have midfield. It's as simple as that. I think more important than the tactics is um, to have midfield players that want the ball, to have midfield players that uh, connect the game, to have midfield players that press, to have midfield players that recover the ball, to have midfield players that win duels. And um, we didn't have it. And um, of course, I'm not speaking about Skip, because Skip is a kid of 19 years old that played two hours of football in in the last day and um, I don't I'm not critic with Skip at all at all um, because I don't want another question about the same story um, I, I'm not going to run away and I have to say that um, Tangi had enough time to come to a different level I know that the Premier League is very difficult I know that some players it takes takes time. Some players they take long time to adapt to a to a different league. But a player with his potential, with his responsibility, I think he has to give us more than he's giving us. And especially when you see the way Lucas Loselso players that uh, are playing every minute, I was expecting. Uh, I was expecting more in the first in the first half, but second half was was really good. James, we're reflecting on the back of Jose Mourinho's comments there on Tsungi and Dembele. Now, Mourinho obviously not happy with Dembele's performance, and again, some would say rightly so. But it wasn't criticising his skill; it, it's more criticising the effort. Now, as we know, the Sky interview without saying his names, he says he cannot keep giving him opportunities unless he improves. It is the club's record signing. Where do you stand, James, for you personally, on the way Mourinho has handled this situation on Dembele? Now I can kind of understand the, the the way he's been treated. He's been given chances and he came in against Norwich and I think he played the 90 minutes. He was really good um, around, I think it was around Christmas, um, but he's been in and out. I found that his comments at the weekend were, were poor. I don't, this, this is kind of, maybe this is, I think it's a personal thing really. I, I, don't, I don't think a manager should treat people who work for him in this way. You know, he doesn't know what's going on in the background in, in Ndombele's life. He's a 22-year-old kid in a new country. You know, he may be struggling in his personal life. Mourinho may not know that. And I think hanging him out to dry in public is, is just no way to do anything. And I know there's the whole thing that it will motivate him. And, like, it could motivate him or it could tip him over the edge. You'll never see the best out of him again. And I, I just think you can talk to him in private, you can t- even talk to him in front of his teammates, but there's absolutely no need to go to the press and castigate him like he has. People take different time, amount of times to settle. Um, as you know, as Darren said, the Celso took a while to settle into the team, and then when what I kind of remember was when he was in the team, he then hit the ground running uh, and was was great. But some people take ages, and also Mourinho has got a history of doing this. It's this whole. Um, management by conflict uh, and he did it with Pogba he's, he's done it in the past with and obviously it didn't really work with Pogba he did it with Joe Cole and it did work um, he did it with Eden Hazard and it did work but then he's done it obviously he tried it with Anthony Martial didn't particularly work he did it with Luke Shaw and that I mean that was like when he was 
basically saying he said after the game that he had to talk him through a game, which was just completely undermining. And I just don't like people who treat other people like that. And I don't I don't care whether it motivates him or not. You shouldn't treat people like that, in my opinion. Obviously, this kind of debate is definitely going to split opinion. But the, the interesting thing you brought up there, James, for me is, you know, that he has done this before. And you mentioned the Pogba reference. You mentioned the Joe Cole reference. I even go far as back, Talia, as when he was the Chelsea manager. And twice, obviously, okay, twice, if, if once wasn't enough. Um, where he was managing John Terry and Frank Lampard. And, you know, Jermaine Genus at the time when he was on Five Live on Friday was speaking and saying that with Mourinho, he fears that the method he's using is quite outdated where to call out a player... And then they would kind of rough their seats up and say, I'll show you, I'll show you what I'm about. And the likes of Lampard and the Terrys and the Joe Coles, they're the kind of characters that would kind of think, you know what, I can rise above this. I'm going to show him that I'm better than this. Do you worry that Tsungi Ndombele isn't that kind of player? And that that kind of way of going about trying to bring the best out of someone, football's almost evolved now, moved on, and that just isn't going to work now during the era that we're in. Honestly, I, I don't think it's a timely thing. I think it completely depends on the personality of the person and how, you know, they're kind of powered to work and function. And from what we've seen of him, he seems like a bit of a lazy person who doesn't really seem to give a shit about what's said. And I can imagine, you know, him reading those comments and laughing and not really taking it to heart. So I don't particularly think it's a timely thing. I just think it he's the kind of person that wouldn't really react to that in that way. And I think, you know, not all players do respond positively to tough love. And I just don't think he's the kind of person to do that. But, you know, like going back to the kind of more holistic situation, I think there are kind of two sides to it. And depending on how much of a dickhead I want to be, will depend on whether or not I agree with what Marino kind of said, you know, like on one hand, I can understand where he's coming from and it it's not him being like a boring old Jose it's kind of it's frustration because he can't play the club record signing who supposedly had a pre-season and was playing games because he can't last 45 minutes without needing a sit down <clears throat> and obviously you know that is completely frustrating especially when he's a player with such good talent and we have seen glimpses of it and he obviously wants him to play and he's not giving him that because he's not fit enough or for any other reason you know in principle he's walking around on what 200k a week uh, which is more than pretty much any of the other players probably on the field at all yesterday but he was by far the most disinterested and lazy player which is not okay in any workplace you know if, if you do not buck up your ideas and kind of give your all for your boss and your company then you get the sack because you know that is how work kind of is so I think I, I understand it's come from a place of frustration but I don't really think he should have aired him out in that kind of way and to his defense some way I guess you know he was put in a formation that didn't suit him played in a two-man midfield along you know skip an academy product you know in front of five centre-backs who were told to hit in hope so you know he was never kind of going to excel and I guess to a degree that also probably did demotivate him because I think like anyone if you're in a position that you don't want to be in you probably do think oh for god's sake and you don't give it your all so I am kind of split but I think I get the rationale behind doing it I just don't think it's an effective way to do it mm. I mean Darren just to bring you into that we can all debate on whether it's right to call out a player publicly or you know wrong but the frustration is that it's so clear Undenbele 
from even the glimpses we've seen, is an excellent footballer. The club are down to the bare bones. They need so much more than the odd cameo role right now that Undenbele's offering. Bearing in mind he's our record signing. You know, he's had a full pre-season and a Pochettino pre-season at that, so he should be fit. Whatever the knocks are he's had, you know, it's it's a real difficult one here because Munoz criticised not his skill, it, it's the work rate of the player. But, I mean, I will say in that first half for me, there's six or seven players that he could have easily called out is Undenbele at the moment just the easy option for him? How, how do you see it? Well, first of all, um, regarding Talia's point, I mean, I, I completely agree that, listen, if, if Jose's got an issue with him and doesn't want to play him or wants to pull him, um, I think Jose said that he wanted to sub Bergwijn. The plan was to sub uh, Stephen Bergwijn after an hour. Uh, but he changed his mind at half time because it just it was all going tits up. So he did have a plan, a game plan, but he, he didn't stick to it. And you know, as we know, he he, he pulled Tunga and Dembele off. But um, so regarding to what as what what Talia said, I think you know if if you have got a, an issue with someone and you know you're frustrated and you're upset, that's fine. You know, but don't do it in public. You know, I mean, have a word with him shout and scream at him in the dressing room but to, you know like you, you don't know what's going like James said you don't know what's going in his head has he got issues um, I just think that bawling him out in public is it, and the other thing is to do that publicly shows everyone you know all your competitors all the other managers your fans as well who are paying their good money to see you that the fucking wheels are coming off you know I just don't think it's a good message mm-hmm. like it's all very well wearing your heart on your sleeve you know I, I wear my mind on my sleeve but you know I'm not a premiership football manager and in, and to air your dirty it's not even about airing your dirty laundry in, in public so to speak I think it's about showing everyone your dissatisfaction do it behind closed doors um, so regarding uh, your point uh, um, about about Tungai, didn't just you'll have to refresh my memory. Wasn't there a couple of instances earlier on in the season where I think he pulled himself or said he didn't want to play? So he has got previous. What was all that about? Uh, again, I, I think definitely during that 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 period when Mourinho came in, there, there was almost again that kind of hinting, that alluding to the fact that. Undenbele didn't feel fit enough to play. And even then, the early stages, you know, we, we saw that... I don't want to say there's a problem between the two. I think it's wrong to say that. But there was, I think, fears, injury concerns at the beginning. But, I mean, since then, you know, we saw last week in, in the press conference that, you know, James, with Neto, where he had the opportunity to really go in on him, where that video circulated virally, you know, about the fact that, you know, he wasn't really closing Neto down. And Mourinho laughed it off. He had the opportunity there to really bollock him. And he didn't. But to choose that game where, again, I say there's six or seven players in that first half that, for me, he could have easily pulled and he pulled Ndombele. And you reference it there for you. It's awful management. It's, you know, do it in private. And you mention it again, that, you know, Mourinho's management by confliction and style, it is to be some degree now, it is outdated. Um, and not saying it isn't true, but you have to protect the players. And does it worry you? I mean, questions in here. This is from James Truscott, who says, is Ndombele finished for the rest of the season? That's one. And we've got another one here saying, Andy Mackay saying, can you see a road back for him now? What do you think, James? Is there a road um, back for him? It's a shame because he's, yeah, he's I mean, so much talent. This, this, oh, yeah, there's got to be a road back for him. I mean, he's, he, he's the most talented player we've got, I think. Him and Lo Celso, um, obviously with Kane and Son out. But he, he's that ability is, is amazing. I mean... Um, you posted uh, from the last word on Spurs account of, of Moussa Dembele has retired from international football and you posted out some clips of him. That's what that's what Tongi and Dumbele should be aiming for. 
because he's a, he's got the same ability. He's he's got strength on the ball. He's got skill, but he he, he needs to apply himself. But we we need to persevere with him. And to be honest, if it came down to a situation of him or Mourinho, I'd I'd get rid of Mourinho because I think he's really the future. And I think. As Talia said, it, it depends on the person, but some people need an arm around their shoulder and some people need a kick up the arse. And it's very, you've got to be in a position to judge. And, and Mourinho has got a history of not being able to judge those players. He just, it, obviously, it works with Joe Cole and John Terry. You know, they're in the country that they're from, their families are around them, they've got stability. You're a 22 year old kid in a new country, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. And um, we need to stick by him. We need to keep going with him because I, th- I think there's an am- an amazing player in there, um, and it would be it's far too early to, to to bail on him now. You also don't get the feeling, James, and I might be wrong. I don't get the feeling Daniel Levy is prepared to write off a 65 million record signing at Tottenham. I, I just fail to believe he's going to be, you know, ready to, to part ways or anything. Yeah, I still feel there's a long way to go. And you know, we talk about Undumbele's mentality. I think it definitely is worth noting this that. 2014, he was released um, from the Gunam Academy. He had no club. He felt personally he was finished. 2015, he was planning France's fifth division with a means. 2018, he joined Lyon permanently. 2019, he signed for Spurs. This is a player to some degree, James. He's always had a bit of adversity with his career. I think even in the past, he was let go when he was younger for fears that he was overweight. He's come back, you know, from adversity. Do you think Mourinho may have looked at his profile and thought maybe, you know, to come out publicly, that might be a way of getting the best out of him. I'm not too sure for me that is the right way. As I said with you guys, I don't think that's ever the right way. But does he feel like this is one of his only options left? Clearly he does. But again, like you've been through his career. At Gangon, he had he was released. At Amiens, he, he had problems with this. At, um, and, and, and all through his career in Lyon, he, he had to be played in a three-man midfield with a, with a pure defensive midfielder and, and someone kind of in the Lo Celso mould shuttling around. So, you know, this isn't this isn't uh something that is new. He's not he's never gonna be a player who can get around in a two man midfield. He's not got the body shape for that. That's just not the player he is. The problem is he's not really a ten either because he doesn't he doesn't work that hard to retain the ball to get and he also likes driving from deep. You and you need to build the team around him. But if you shuttle back to our Deli Ali conversation if you play a three-man midfield, then Delhi can't really fit in. And at the moment, I'd rather Delhi play than Ndombele. But Ndombele's got a much higher ceiling, in my opinion. But it's whether you can, it's whether you can get that out of him. If you look at the games he played for Leon against Man City last season, he absolutely dominated Man City. So it's it's all there. It's just I don't know whether it's how you get it out of him. But I don't think conflict does that. I think it's pander, pandering to him really and. Maybe the Premier League isn't the place for that to happen. I looked at his, I looked at his show reel, you know, as I'm sure you all did, you know, before when when the rumours were we going to buy him, and I was absolute. I was watching it with my jaw on the floor. But my <laughs> God, who's he? I thought he's got everything. He's he's stocky. He's he's hard. He's tough. He's got skills for days. I thought, my God, you know, and and what whatever whatever needs to be do to, to to get him to to that level again, do it. But I just don't think doing it, you know. Sh- Balling him out publicly is the right is the right way at all. Mm. Let me read out a bit of a crazy stat here that you know the total investment Spurs have made in Dembele equates to more than Pochettino's five and a half year salary and Mourinho's three year salary combined. Now, me having said that, I'm going to quickly go for for a quick round the table here. 
James, who's going to last longer at Tottenham? Jose Mourinho or Tungin Ndombele? Ndombele. Talia, who's going to last longer? Ndombele or Mourinho? Depends if he hands in a transfer request. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daniel Levy, is, he, Daniel Levy will not sell him for anything less, you feel, than the £65 million. Oh, I, I might be wrong. Yeah. I might be wrong. Who, quickly, no, go on, give us a quick answer. We've got to quickly do RB Leipzig. Who's going to be in longer? Endembele. Endembele. Darren, who's in longer? Endembele or Mourinho? Tungi. Tungi. God, you know I'm going to sit here. Yeah, I'm going to sit here and agree. I, I'm going to agree. I think full house, I think Undumbele is going to last out Mourinho. There'll be people screaming at this podcast thinking, are you guys sure maybe? Or there'll be others agreeing out there. It's definitely going to split opinions, but we've done our best to debate it. Just want to give a quick shout out. We had a lot of questions in on Undumbele. To Richard Wright, Gulam, Noah DeSantis, Brayton, Vahinja, The Fat and the Furious. Yeah, Andy Mackey and James, James Truscott who also mentioned Undumbele. Hopefully... We've done that debate now and we can look ahead to RB Leipzig. Before we do, just a quick shout out. We haven't had a chance to give him a bit of a mention, but Oliver Skip. Munoz clearly saw enough in midweek to give him another start. He made a big contribution early on as he cleared that ball off the line. He was also on hand to nip in and get the ball just off Rodriguez, who was about to let fly. Overrun at times in midfield and perhaps harshly subbed off at the break, but he needs a rest because he's worked very, very hard to skip. And I think it's also what you guys have said now, Undenbele to start in that midfield with, a, with five centre-backs. You know, are we right to be judging him on that basis? But time will tell. We're going to go for one final quick break. And when we return, Spurs' season is on the line. It's Champions League. It's the second leg of the last 16 tie against RB Leipzig. Come and join us after this very short break. Hello and welcome back to the final part of the last word on Spurs. We've got a huge game, James, coming up. Some would say definitely it's season-defining for Tottenham. Champions League, last 16 tie, second leg against RB Leipzig. Can we, James, overturn the 1-0 defeat at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and get ourselves through to the quarterfinals? We can. Um, will we? I don't know. Um, it's, it's a really tough one. Um, I think, yeah. But, I mean, we can do if we play the way we, we played uh for half an hour against Burnley, if we play with the way we did in the first half, no chances at all. Um, yeah, I, I think if the players come out and hit the ground running, and uh, yeah, we can nick an early goal. Definitely, we can. You never know what you're going to get with Spurs, but a lot of the time, it's kind of if, if we're playing those long balls there. I think um, Apamecano is back at centre half for them, who missed the previous game. He's an absolutely superb central defender, and if we're playing those long balls up front to Lucas, he's just going to eat them up. And then Timo Werner plays into, you know, the weakness that we have at centre-half for pace. Um, especially Sanchez has been up and down. I thought he was awful against Burnley. He's good in the previous few games. I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's eminently doable. Whether Do I think we'll do it? Probably not, no. It's so tough, this one, because to be fair, Leipzig, to some degree, Talia, they outplayed Spurs in that first leg. They registered that crucial win and an away goal thanks to Timo Werner's second-half penalty. They'll argue deserve that their efforts meant they should have come away with a better result. But Spurs, you know, we were limited to just six efforts on goal. But, you know, progress-wise for them, all they have to do is match their result or better the first leg result, and they're going to go through. Do you hold any kind of confidence that Spurs can turn this around in the second leg? Uh, minimal. I have minimal confidence to be for you. I think, you know, we have to win. We can't get a draw. We've got to win. And we're not good at winning games. And, you know, back to what the guy said earlier, like, 
I can't see us scoring an open play. I don't know how we score goals. We have no creativity. And unless the boys start with that fire and passion and think, do you know what? We're even getting knocked out of this competition or we're going to win this game. And they play with that mentality for 90 minutes straight. I don't see how we're going to score. So I think, you know, of course we have talent to do it and we could anything could happen and I strongly strongly hope that we do but on paper I don't know if we're good enough I think the also concerning thing Tally you know you, you bring up there about you know our, our form and how we're playing at the moment and the lack of scoring goals Leipzig are unbeaten in their three Bundesliga matches since they played Spurs in that first leg yeah. Werner's moved from 27 goals into 35 appearances for the campaign with his effort in the 5-0 route of Schalke while A.S. Aroma, Loney, Patrick Schitsch notched his seventh in the Bundesliga in the 1-1 draw against the informed by Leverkusen. But despite being held to a goalless draw by Wolfsburg over this weekend, Nagelsmann's side are still only two points behind the leaders, Bayern Munich in third. I mean, Darren, you know, to bring James's point into play there, the fact they've been without so many key defenders, Ibrahim Conte and Wuarben for a number of months, that highlights the quality that they've got throughout their squad at the moment. Do you hold any hope that Spurs can turn us around and score more than just a goal if we need to up there? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> God. No, I don't. Um, I'm sorry. It's so I, we got up to the positivity here. It's a big well, game. Um, well, um, so, give us so something, I, Darren. Give us something. All right, I'll, I'll give you something. So we, we played a sort of 4-4-2, quite a defensive um, uh, line-up uh, uh, you know, at our place and they got the away goal. They were sort of switching between a 3-4-1-2, 3-4-2-1. Werner's got that free-flowing role. He can go wherever he wants. Um, you know, they're at home. I just think they've got the momentum. They've got the away goal. And unfortunately, um, um, he's got to start with Lacelso, Lacelso. He's got to start with him. If he doesn't, if he wants to, you know, bring him on for, for 20 minutes or half an hour, we're, you know, I think we've had it. If, if he starts... Like the guys were saying, all guns blazing, just absolutely tear them in you, arsehole, from the, from, from the opening whistle, then we've got a chance. He needs to have a really attack-minded team. Um, we, we can't have this defence nonsense. Then we've got a, the slimmest of slim hopes. In my heart of hearts, um, I really don't know where the goals are coming from, unfortunately. I just don't. I'm trying to search for positives here. Sorry. Sorry, I'm I'm really sorry. You won't have it on again, will you? But I'm not having a prick on again. <laughs> it's not your fault, Darren. It's not your fault. I mean, Talia, did you want to come in there? What was you going to say? I was going to say he he will definitely start Lacelso. I think you know mm. he said after the Norwich game that Lacelso, Bergwijn, and Winks were knackered, and that was kind of his way of prioritising Tuesday's game was by arresting them. And I think that's also why he was extra frustrated about Lacelso having to actually play the whole 45, 50 minutes because he obviously wanted to rest him for Tuesday. And the fact that he obviously couldn't get that to happen was something that kind of knocked him over the edge, I reckon. But I think he will definitely start in a better and I guess more normal formation with definitely Lacelso. He'll play Winks, he'll play Aurier. Uh, I have no idea if Davies is back or is still injured, not a clue. But I think it'll be the pretty, in inverted commas, standard lineup. So I think just, on paper. Just the five like or six changes then, Talia. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just the five or six, maybe even a 10. He might stick Vorm in for Banner oh again. Oh, my God, you couldn't imagine, could you? I mean, I'm trying to search for positives here. You know, you know, Darren jokingly before the game uh, 
before the game, before the pod, said to me, you know, he hasn't got his stats with him. Well, this is a quite a, a really sad stat that the duo of Harry Kane and Hummin Son have accounted for 33 of Tottenham's 72 competitive goals in the 2019-20 campaign. So we definitely are going to need to have players stepping up. Let's do a round of predictions. I've got a terrible feeling now. I know this is going to go in the predictions. James, we're going to start with you. What's the score going to be then, James, for this one on Tuesday night? Nil, nil. Nil, nil. <laughs> nil, nil. God, yeah, nil, nil. That's well, yeah, they don't, need, they don't need to score. No. We, we, we don't know how to score. Okay. Yeah, but nil, I'm nil. more staggered. You're backing us for a clean sheet? Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think it'll get to the point where we know we're not going to score. They'll just knock it around for about 45 minutes and that'll be that, really. Okay. Darren? Give us something, uh, anything, any hope. I can sing a song for you. I'm very happy to sing. <laughs> um, Please, Dan, I've got stuff to do, mate. <laughs> uh, I re- I'm sorry, I, I, I reckon maybe 1-0 Leipzig. Okay. Talia, I deliberately saved you to last, hoping you might be able to leave us with some kind of positive. Have you got anything for us? I think we're going to score. Okay. We're going to score. I don't know how. But, probably... am, but how many are they going to score in retaliation? Double. Double, okay. I'm going 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one to Le- RB Leipzig. Six. You know what? I'm going 2-1 Leipzig if they play how we think they're going to play. If they play how they should play, it could be 2-1 Spurs. That's your optimism. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to go for 2-0 Spurs and we go through oh, on the away goal. It. I've got to try and give some kind of optimism here for our listeners. Do they going to hang on? You know... They're hanging on for dear for dear life at the moment. The the poor people that are hanging on. Thank you, thank you so much, James. Thank you for a wonderful debut. Really appreciate having you on the show, James. Where can people find you if they would like to check out more of your content? Yeah, I don't know why they'd want to, to be honest. But I'm on. I'm James W Dickens on Twitter. You can find me there. Oh, very modest, James. Thank you very much for a wonderful debut, Darren. Thank you for coming back on. Always a pleasure. Thank you for the analogies. Thank you for the laughs and the banter. We've needed it, to be honest, to get through this. Thank you so much. I'm sorry to be the fucking harbinger of, harbinger of doom and gloom, but, uh, you know, you've no, got to laugh at you. This, this is becoming a weekly prescription, so it's not your fault. It's not your fault at all, Darren. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really oh, appreciate it. been a pleasure. Some do find it as therapy, believe it or not. I'm not too sure if I do the way it's going at the moment, but we definitely need an uplift. That's why Talia's here. Talia, things are going to get yeah. better, aren't they? I mean, they're not getting much worse. <laughs> just, to, just to finish up, just to tell you, there is a question here that I do want to ask you. Uh, this is from James at Old Man Hots, but just to finish up, he says, how bad will it get before it comes good? The end of the season. Okay. The season's a write-off. As Mourinho yeah. said, season's a write-off. Come back next season. Exactly that. But try and look forward to the Champions League time. Massive to come on Tuesday night. Tottenham Hotspur, can we make it to the Champions League quarterfinals? For consecutive seasons, Jose Mourinho, the man who's a serial winner, will he be a winner? Let's hope and find out. Thank you for joining us. And as always, come on, you Spurs, please! Spurs!
Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.